Hello, and thank you. Uh, oh, hello, and welcome back to Miss Macintosh, my darling commentary. Chap volume one, chapters one through 44. We are on chapter 40. I'm pretty sure I'm going to try and get uh, done by um, this week. <clears throat> this week, because uh, next week goes into uh, some stuff coming up. So next week's going to be busy. I'm probably going to take next week off and uh, be back the following week with volume two. Um, and then I will be working on re-releasing. Yeah, because I have to wait. I know I have to wait until September to offer volume one again. I found some stuff that I had put in a previous chapter. I found a lot of stuff, so I added a lot of uh, notes and commentary um, to the last couple of chapters, just finding some stuff. Like that one that Babylon has fallen, Babylon, uh, fallen, fallen, Babylon the Great has fallen. Something like that was a quote from Revelations 14.8. And found it, and so, and it was because a woman, because it said her, had tempted the had given people the wine of immortal of immorality, adultery, fornication, sexual immorality. That was the implication. So Catherine said that about cousin Hannah. So so it seems like Catherine was accusing cousin Hannah of uh, immorality. So that was kind of uh, so I added that little note because I mean I just that's what she was quoting. That's what the Bible phrase says. So who knows. That's what it seems like. And, I mean, there is, I guess there's a reason for it because Cousin Hannah later on at her deathbed is, is pining for someone. And you don't really know. It's ambiguous as to who she's talking about. Like, it could be a couple of things. Um, it could be something, something a lot with, like with a lot of stuff in this book, it can be symbolic or it can be um, uh, referred to an actual person. And, and she probably means both things. Um, let's see. There's something else about the, so I had the suffrage movement and then I had a bit in the references. I don't know why, but I had a little bit in the references about the anti-suffrage, suffrage and the anti-suffrage movement. So I took that out of the references. You know, the references are just a list of resources, references that I used. So I moved the anti-suffrage, and it's just a little paragraph. So I just moved the anti-suffrage at the end of the chapter. I don't know why I, I put it there. So I just rearranged some stuff there. But um, yeah, I've been adding stuff that, that I found uh, from the uh, com going through uh, when, we, when after we go through, I'll make little notes and I go back and look and sure enough, I can find some stuff that I want to add to it. Character list, Catherine Cartwheel, Vera Cartwheel. Oh, we're in chapter 40. Character list, Catherine Cartwheel, Vera Cartwheel, narrator, Mr. Spitzer, Cousin Hannah. Synopsis. Vera tries to describe the utter chaos going on inside Catherine's mind. Catherine's mind is stuck on philosophical questions about dreaming. Her descriptions are pointing to Catherine suffering from a delusional disorder and God complex, but whether this came before the opium addiction or because of it is unknown. And there's hints that she had some kind of illness or was acting this way before she took to her bed. Paragraph one, Vera, Catherine or Vera wonders if cousin Hannah had passed over into the realm of the dream or had she always been there? 
Vera says Catherine remembered Cousin Hannah's voice being remarkably vibrant, more like a man's than a woman's, a husky baritone, ranging from bass and tenor and partaking somewhat of the quality of both. Cousin... Well, it would be good if I spelled it right. Cousin Hannah spoke several foreign tongues with perfect fluency, switching from language to language with accustomed ease. Catherine thought that Cousin Hannah could not only speak dead languages, but also languages no living person had ever spoken or heard, and Catherine wondered why she should have spoken at all. Silence should have spoken for her. Catherine had experienced through opium her illusions, dreams, and a vast array of things, as if the psychological mystery should remain long after its cause was gone. In philosophy, there is the question of dreams by Zhuang Zi, Plato, and Aristotle. Descartes asked and tried to answer the following question, how can I know that I am not now dreaming? So this dreamer dreaming the dream, that, that's a running theme in, in, throughout the book. Um, and uh, um, I think Descartes is the one who, who really put this into... Um, like an actual philosophical philosophical question that he tried to answer which seems to be the same question okay how can i know that i am not now dreaming which seems to be the same question catherine is preoccupied with in this story Descartes' answer was that Descartes' answer was that we cannot trust our senses in waking life without invoking a benevolent God who would not deceive us. Catherine takes this one step further at the end of the last chapter and asks, what if God is dreaming? She re see references for more reading on the philosophy of dreaming. In psychology, the question is, question, is life a dream, is answered with the coherence of the waking world does give evidence that it is not just a figment of our imagination. And then I'm going to have a whole section in volume three of To All My Darlings that, that talks about this. Um, however, the objects that we perceive as permanent are in reality through the science of quantum physics mostly made up of empty space. In a sense, people do live in a dream world that is created by the mind. When people are awake, their minds conform their dreaming to a reliable set of patterns, which they assume to be determined by a reality that exists independently of their experience of it though they have no way of knowing that reality except through the complex ways in which it affects their dream. There is also reality that is experienced and affected by psychedelic drugs and other altered states of consciousness. In popular culture, in the movie based... Oh, this is something that... that oh, is it two of these? But I know this one for sure. In popular culture, in the movie based on the book by the same name, John Dies at the End, there is a scene between two characters where they talk about dreaming and interpretation. And, the, and this is a quote from the movie. And the explosion at the end of the dream becomes the clap of thunder outside of your window. You gotta ask yourself, man. You gotta be really brave to ask yourself the scary questions. How did your mind know, David, that the thunder was coming? The thunder came right as she hit the detonator at the end of your dream. Your mind started the dream 30 seconds before the thunder. Now, how did the mind know that the thunder was coming? Hmm? Because... Time is an ocean, not a garden hose. Space is a puff of smoke, a wisp of cloud. Your mind is a flying corn snake hovering through all the possibilities. 
So that's a quote from the movie, John Dies at the End, but I thought it fit perfectly with what Young was trying to say here. And there's another one I took from another movie that, uh, by the way, this is like the best thing out of that movie. I, I like the movie, it was okay, but this is, that was the best thing. this putting in some punctuation okay um uh from the movie ghost that i think has a scene that uh, that directly applies uh, absolutely these are movies that have happened you know within the last 20 years but um 10 20 years 10 10 years maybe 10 um but i thought they were um but I thought they beautifully illustrated what Young has been, was talking about 60 years ago. Two, Cousin Hannah's effect is described as the reverberations like those of a psychological experience invading our dreams or a dream invading our experience, disrupted and cracked or changed, things which were ordinarily familiar. Cousin Hannah had challenged Catherine for all was fair in love and war. Cousin Hannah was screaming, raging, roaring at Catherine that it caused her head nearly to split into two with all these disoriented impressions. Cousin Hannah had come to all the chaos, had come not, oh, Cousin Hannah had come to still the chaos, had not come not to create, but to destroy the last romance on earth. Vera says her mother, Catherine, had never given up her belief that all of space could be wound, unwound, like a bolt of silk. Never had she believed that it would not be possible to live in a vanished time. Okay, and then if you find my, follow my loony bin, uh, uh, theory that that if Catherine's really in an in, in insane, insane asylum um, then Cousin Hannah could be a relative coming to visit and not that Cousin Hannah doesn't have her own problems and Young definitely points that out for any character that we think is this real person that has no duplicity no duality in them um, she smashes all of that but you can just still definitely picture it like when you're when somebody from your family visits someone and I happen to have personal experience with this uh, when you visit someone in a, a psychiatric ward um, and that normal person comes in and it seems like oh they're just you know blowing the doors off of this place where I've put myself and in this case Catherine's still in the dream so cousin Hannah is invading that space. So you can totally get that relationship too. Sorry, just my pet theory. Three, Vera says Catherine had not known then so many languages as she believed she knew now, and yet she had seemed to understand instantaneously, even without her knowledge, without the slightest conscious effort on her part, without betrayal of her profound ignorance, of words hidden, and all manners of sounds from an array of sources and from different ages. Saracen were primarily Arab Muslims, Turks, Persians, or other Muslims, according to Christian writers during the Middle Ages in Europe. Cavaliers associated with the royalist supporters of King Charles I and across Europe as a style of dress during the 17th century. Nubians are an ethno-linguistic group of people indigenous to what is now present-day Sudan and Egypt. Valpone is a comedy play by English playwright Ben Jonson. So we got plays in there too. It is a satire of greed and lust. Sanskrit is a classical language of South Asia. Eskimo are the indigenous peoples who live from eastern Siberia, Alaska, Canada, and Greenland. Egyptian sailor may refer to the tale of the shipwrecked sailor. 
Two proverbs from it are, The mouth of a man saves him. Do not act arrogant. Why give water to a bird before it is slaughtered? Okay, so this is the, so we talked about the Egyptian that was there before that was looking for Mr. Spitzer. And so this Egyptian and the Egyptian sailor, there is this very old story written on papyrus from, uh, um, attributed to Egypt, uh, um, of the tale of the shipwrecked sailor. And so there are, well, there's more than two. So I said that wrong, that was three. So the Proverbs from, and I will include more in, in volume three about it, um, are, so the Proverbs Proverbs from the story are, the mouth of a man saves him. Do not act arrogant. Why give water to a bird before it is slaughtered? It is interpreted as a shipwrecked traveler goes on a spiritual quest through the cosmos and meets a primordial god that provides the traveler with a moral vision to return home with. And that is pretty much sums up like Pilgrim's Progress, uh, Divine Comedy, Paradise Lost, The Shipwrecked Sailor, Roland, Child Roland and the Dark Tower. I mean, all of those books are referenced, po books and epic poems are referenced in Miss Macintosh, My Darling. Finnish is from Finland and Hurons are considered the king of the wading birds. Polo is a horseback ball game and one of the oldest known team sports. Peking, now known as Beijing, is the capital of the People's Republic of China. Provencal, Provencal is a language and region of France. Troubadour was a composer and performer of lyric poetry during the High Middle Ages. Greek shepherd singing to his flock, which was spoken and which was never spoken. Huh? Greek shepherd singing to his flock which was spoken and which was never spoken. I don't know what that refers to. I'm going to have to fix that. Cousin Hannah had surely known many languages of people in remote places, kings of sunken thrones. Though her furies against archaeologists with pick and spade had always been, of course, intense, like her furies against believers in a future life or a past life or that past which should be the future when all stars should be one great star in an endless horizon with no chasm or crevice between star and star. Okay, I had to fix that. <laughs> Um, so this furies against archaeologists with pick and spade had always been, of course. So that reminds me of something. That, uh, I wonder if, well, I'll have to look it up. Because um, within archaeology, there has been um, criticism of them defining all important tombs as belonging to a male. And when women came along behind them and looked at it and looked at the artifacts that were left, they were like, no, this obviously is a female. I mean, look at the skeleton itself. It's obviously a female. So that females did hold positions of distinction uh, in history, in, within, in periods of time that archaeology was looking at. Um, so I wonder if this refers to that, but I don't know at what time that this started... Um, this criticism started so I don't know if it was during the time period that Young was writing so I'll have to look at that 
4. Vera says, despite Catherine having never studied any language but the French of a peacock alley menu or the Latin of a clouded mountain tune, being also so very vague as to these, very easily distracted by buzzings in her ear, had somehow become proficient in all these languages because she believed she could understand everything by humans or animals. Whirling dervishes or Sufi whirling is a meditation practice performed within a worship ceremony. Tibetan monks and Tibetan Buddhism chant mantras, which are phrases that protect the mind from negativity. Chinese mandarins or mandarins was a bureaucratic scholar in ancient China, Korea, and Vietnam. There were officials appointed through the imperial examination system. Platan rails, or the giant wood rail, is a species of bird in South America. Catherine was presumed illiterate and lacked a formal education contrary to her high social class. Instead, she only knew tennis, but her knowledge was magnificent, astounding her by its brilliance. Coffin of stars may refer to Delphinus and Delphinius and the main group of stars called Job's Coffin. Mag Magellanic clouds are two irregular dwarf galaxies in the southern celestial hemisphere. Magellanic? Magellanic? <sighs> no, my pronunciation is not good. I apologize. Five, Vera wonders who could have taught her mother, Catherine, all these spoken languages, written or not written, spoken or not spoken. How could the opium lady have learned any language? She's, she is described as a Tower of Babel. Boston Greek... Uh, 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 okay, there's no reference... There was no reference found for Boston Greek. Uh, Tower of Babel in Genesis 11 is an origin myth to explain why the world's people speak so many different languages. Catherine had widely traveled but always needed to use an interpreter. The translator's message was so often blurred in transit just as a thought is changed by speech. Perhaps the most important thoughts were those which never found expression. Catherine could have only learned these many tongues until after she retired to bed and by watching Cousin Hannah's old asymmetric face and changing facial expressions in a darkened mirror, the pride and fury of her eloquent gestures. King of the Medes may refer to Darius the Mede, who is mentioned in the Hebrew Bible in the book of Daniel as a king of Babylon, but is not known to history. Vera says there was no other way for her mother to know what she knew. Alcibiades was a prominent Athenian statesman, orator in general. Alexander the Great, king of Macedon, was a king in ancient Greece. Catherine believes there were many things before and after Christ. Bothius or Anicius Manlius Severinius Bothius was a Roman senator, consul, magister, officiorum, and philosopher. Balboa or Vasco Nunez de Balboa was a Spanish explorer, governor, and conquistador. Goodness, there's a lot of references here. Baldwin, there are many people with his surname, so it is not possible to find a specific reference that Young may have been talking about. Cristolfo Colombo, or Christopher Columbus, was an Italian explorer and navigator who completed four voyages across the Atlantic Ocean. Canovas del Castillo, or Antonio Canovas del Castillo, was a Spanish politician and historian known principally for serving six terms as prime minister and instrumental in, in reinstituting the Bourbon monarchy. Hugh Capet was the king of the Franks, Dante, or Durante di Alighiero degli Alighieri, was a Florentine poet, writer, and philosopher. Diderot, or Denis Diderot, was a French philosopher, art critic, and writer. Harold Harefoot, or Harold I, was king of England. 
Ahasuerus or Ahasuerus? It's spelled two different ways. It's Ahasuerus, but it's spelled two different ways. Is the name of the king, the husband of Esther, in the book of Esther from the Bible? Catherine liked to think of the wandering Jew as the everlasting Jew, which is the name of a book, but no other reference could be found. Hebrew parables, uh, um, which, okay, so everlasting Jew or the wandering Jew, it's the, is the name of an actual book, but no other reference could be found for, for anything about the book. So if you know something, let me know. Hebrew parables are a martial Nimshal is a short parable with a moral lesson or religious allegory. In case you haven't gotten the point yet, young Snagatosh, <laughs> my darling, is a quest, uh, 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 is the story of a quest, spiritual or like the hero's quest, some kind of spiritual quest, moral lesson, religious allegory, that, that's what it is. Cathay is an alternative European historical name for China. Darius the Magnificent, or Dara Shiko, was the eldest son and heir apparent of the Mughal Emperor Shah Jahan. He was defeated by his younger brother. Potiphar is the captain of Pharaoh's guard, who is said to have purchased who is said to have purchased Joseph as a slave in the Hebrew Bible and Quran. Six, Vera says that Catherine did not mean that cousin Hannah only spoke foreign languages. She did speak English and came from one of the finest families in Boston. Her soul was given over utterly to the establishment of justice on earth, and she was a beacon of suffrage. Seven, cousin Hannah also swore, cursed, and made a picturesque oath. Avant means to move away, depart. Bonergay is a vociferous preacher or orator. A nickname applied by Jesus to James and John in Mark 3. Hmm. 8. Catherine cannot be expected to remember the sequences of those states of fact or being which had occurred without consecutiveness, not as an order of events in time, wave after superficial wave, not succeeding or flowing each not succeeding or following each other as a result of what had gone before, or the bigger picture, the whole of a thing of her deranged imagination. Medley is a varied mixture of people or things. Imbroglio is an acutely painful or embarrassing misunderstanding. Pandemonium is a wild uproar among a crowd of people. John Milton invented the name in Paradise Lost for the capital of hell. Saturnalia was an ancient Roman festival and holiday in honor of the god Saturn. Oh, and there's some... Let me look that up. Ferris says Catherine was unable to organize anything and it was more likely for things to turn topsy-turvy around her and a step forward would be a step backward. The next sentence mirrors Matthew 19 in the parable about a rich young man who is unwilling to give up his wealth to enter the kingdom of heaven. But many who are first will be last, and many who are last will be first. To Catherine, the death came before the life, and the, and the after image came before the image in her brain. Vera says that for Catherine, there was... I'm going to change this. Ferris says that for Catherine there was apparently no more logic in retrospect than there was in the fleeting present tense. In fact, there was no total way of knowing that what might have happened if one listened to my mother's irresponsible memories or her momentary impressions now of time, which never was.
Okay. Okay, well, hold on. I just want to copy something to look up later. Right, okay, I want to put that in there. Saturnalia, Saturnalia is, um, is an ancient Roman pagan festival in mid-December, and so they think Christmas may, um, may be related to that pagan holiday. So I'm going to add that little bit in there because I think it's pertinent considering that, that she uses a lot of Christian, like in the same sentence she's talking about Saturnalia and also the Bible. Um, nine, Catherine would say that she is unsure even if everything was in English, as it, it was the one language she really knew, the only foreign language to her, as she would frequently remark. Daniel Boone was an American pioneer and frontiersman who was one of the first folk heroes of the U.S. St. Mark's Square, or Plaza San Marco, is the principal public square of Venice, Italy. Catherine claims to have moon blindness, even though she knew it affected horses and not humans. Moon blindness, or equine recurrent Uvetus is the leading cause of blindness in horses, with the specific cause unknown. 10. Vera says there was a competition for my mother's attention, even when long ago she had entertained, perhaps before the memory of any living person, a living guest. Mozart, a Wolfgang Amadeus Mozart, was a prolific and an influential, influential composer of music in the classical period. Mr. Spitzer, who believed himself to be non-competitive, had seen Catherine introduce the living among the dead, assuming that, though a person was still among the living, sentient and breathing, his heart beating, for it was not only as to herself that she made this great mistake. Mr. Spitzer wondered what anachronism could there possibly be in the realm of the dead. If one waited long enough, all things would be true, while waiting all his life here to prove that he no longer lived, that he had died long ago. Anachronism is a chrono chronological misplacement of persons, events, objects, or customs. This sentence, just because I'm thinking of the end of the book, this sentence is really good. If one waited long enough, all things would be true. And that really, that's really good for the last, uh, I don't know if I can make a, a point. A lot of things that Mr. Spitzer say, says, uh, young answers in the last chapter of the book. 11. When Catherine died, who would remember her or know all the illusions she'd been dreaming? She was many cells, many beautiful, volatile psyches wandering about, and she was lying in bed, propped up among satin pillows, with space wound round her like a satin bolt, combing her hair in a psyche knot. And she, and should she be stilled, who greeted every friend as a stranger, every stranger as a friend or a cousin? Psyche and psychology is the totality of the human mind, conscious and unconscious. Psyche knot is a woman's hairstyle in which the hair is brushed back and twisted into conical coil, usually just above the nape. One of the reasons given for her retirement from the world was her habit of greeting every stranger as a friend or relative. Catherine had gone to bed save, to save herself from further social embarrassments. Then she had begun to speak where there was no one. Vera says that Catherine thought that maybe Cousin Hannah's prowess had not been physical of or pertaining to the nature of this created existence, to the bodies con contrasted with the mind, Perhaps all the vanished suffragettes' most startling adventures had been a realm in a realm, not of this reality, for perhaps she had dreamed as my mother was dreaming, and who should know when the dream ended? Who should know when, where, why, how, to whom? 12. Vera wonders why Catherine, even though she is homebound, should, 
envy any other globetrotter, no matter how distinguished or stained by miraculous travels and adventures in foreign lands, unless she was envying herself because she had escaped from herself. Catherine is disembodied except for a dream, herself, or many lost selves who wandered through the world, not only the world, known world, but the unknown world, which she knew so very well because no, no one knew the... Ugh. Okay. Catherine is disembodied except for a dream, herself, or many lost selves who wandered through the world, not only the known world, but the unknown world, which she knew so very well because no one knew the unknown. She did not know the known. In mythology, a rose is a symbol for death and rebirth. That also reminds me of the, like, uh, you have the known knowns, the unknown knowns, and the unknowns unknowns, or something like that. Uh, total, total knowledge is total ignorance. Um, or total ignorance, sorry, total ignorance is total knowledge. Um, all things were merged into one another, and life was that which, as it had had no beginning, should have no end, not even this death. Catherine hears Cousin Hannah whisper, I am dead, even when she was vitally alive, the beau ideal of suffrage. If Catherine had been forced to prove her dreams that they were dead, or that they lived, or that they were inextricably confused, that they were real, my mother would have crumbled into crystal dust. 13. This is a very complicated chapter. Non angli se angeli. They are not angels, but angels, is attributed to Pope Gregory I after seeing pale-skinned boys at a slave market. Vera says Catherine's mind was an iridescent jumble of all those thoughts she had not thought, all those dreams she had not dreamed, but had lived through a easeful death, and that was why she did not know what time, what place it was, why she would probably never know yet, though she knew. Everything is explained as ignotum per ignotius, which is explaining the unknown by means of the more unknown. It is not a logical fallacy, but rather a criticism that is not useful in a particular context. Catherine did not want to get better. Imagine that there should be a golden mean between extremes, a sound mind and a sound body, a cure for nature's imperishable ills. Okay, so I want to go back to this ignotum per ignotius. Explaining the unknown by means of the more unknown, and it is, it, and it doesn't refer to a logical fallacy, but rather a criticism that it that it is not useful in a particular context. Context. So for Catherine to be this way, is not useful. I think is what she's saying. Cool. Okay. Catherine did not want to get better. Imagine that there should be. Catherine did not want to get better. Instead, she am, uh, she instead she would imagine that there should be a golden mean between extremes, a sound mind and a sound body, a cure for nature's imperishable ills. Catherine had not lost faith in reality. She had had no faith to lose. No one was sure what had come first, Catherine's sleepiness or the opium and various drugs, distillations, elixirs, essences. So there's an idea that she takes more than opium. Which would make sense with the, for somebody who's addicted to drugs or narcotics. Catherine was a sleepwalker who had gradually become addicted to opium, and really no one knew the truth of how she got this way or which came first. 
even though there's hints that she had this problem beforehand, but we don't know. We don't know if it's attributed to mental illness or if she was taking some other kind of narcotics before she decided on opium. Sheath bills, Rudy, Turnstones, and Stormy Petrels are all waiting birds. Would anyone have known if reality was missing? <laughs> and had she not disappeared, as she would sometimes ask, crying out in an opium dream of many dimensions, many clouds, where was she now? Addiction is a complicated phenomena that overwhelms people and can harm an individual and those around them. So if we're going to treat this as addiction, there, there's a whole lot about that. But um, hey, would anyone know? Would anyone have known if reality was missing? Fourteen, last uh, chat, last paragraph. Catherine imagined she could be in all places at all times, omniscient, godlike, combined with the delusional disorder of a god complex. Catherine could not tell which was her true self and which was her reflection. The horse's coach and coachman symbolize, according to Catherine earlier in the novel, her body was the carriage, and her soul now it seemed as the passenger, and her horses were her will, and the coachman was her conscience. And now she says that if they should be disassembled, they should be like the psychological explanation of that mystery which could never be explained. Ferris says Catherine believed that the figurehead knew more, the waters roaring at its mouth. For one thing, it always went first. Alrighty. Okay, I need to fix that one. That big boo-boo there. I don't know what I did. I don't know what I was referring to. I guess I'll end up looking up the great Greek shepherd. Let me go back and make a note of that. I was waking up. I still am all excited, but I was waking up all excited because I thought... <gasps> the book is going to be released. And then I just got an email from Amazon saying that the, because they sent me, okay, so I got an email. The book is supposed to release on, be released on the 31st. I got an email saying that the shipment date had changed and they would be able to ship it on the 23rd. And I was all excited because I thought, today's the 25th, that book shipped. Well, I should have gotten a, a notice. And so I got all excited this morning waking up, or last night thinking, Yes, because I didn't remember what day it was. And I was like, yes, I'm going to get, you know, the book's coming. The new edition's coming soon. It's going to be so exciting. And um, I got an email this morning saying the shipment has been delayed. They don't know when they're going to ship it out, and they're going to have to send me another email. So my excitement died. Okay. Well, Make a note of that. I'll add the Saturnalia. Oh, wow. So, a Greek shepherd singing to his flock. They brought up some stuff of uh, handles. He shall feed his flock like a shepherd. I sang that in high school. Uh, the psalm, the Lord is my shepherd. Those are all videos. Other than that, there really isn't. Oh, the passionate shepherd to his love. And the nymphs reply. Who is this? The Phoenix. The Passionate Shepherd to His Love. That makes a sense. Or, or it's a reference to Pan, the God of Shepherds. Shepherd. Okay, yeah, there's a couple of things for me to look up, especially if it's a poem or Greek mythology. So, yeah. Okay. 
so yeah I'm probably, probably something's gonna possibly refer to that Expecting something. Okay, I fixed part of that, and then I just have to uh, add in the Greek shepherd singing to the walk reference. Oh, my mailman has good taste in music. Um, and I got a package, so I'm out of here. Um, I will probably still finish up the recordings. Let's see. I probably have time for one more later. So yeah, I'm pretty sure we'll finish this by Friday, Monday at the latest. All right, have a good day. Thanks for listening. Bye.